It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. So Rebecca, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, well, I started my business, uh, Pivot and Pilot Creative. We're a branding agency, a creative agency in Vancouver. Um, We focus on helping our clients in food, beauty, and wellness stand out and capitalize on their first impression. And we do that through branding, e-commerce, packaging design, and uh, ad campaigns as well. So we've been doing that. We've been in business for five years. I'm very active in the business community. I'm really feeling bummed out about not having that many networking events to go to and that kind of thing. But podcasts are perfect for this type of environment. And yeah, I'm part of a lot of like women's um, business, uh, women in business groups, as well as a few other entrepreneur organizations. And I love to do like speaking events as well as also like webinars and things like that. We, I also, uh, I guess on my own time, I, I do stand-up as well as like improv and things like that, which is also totally on hold, unfortunately. But yeah, right now I'm just putting it all, just learning TikTok and trying to use that as an outlet, I guess. (laughs) Tell me me a joke. Make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) That's what people say all the time. I don't know. I mean, it'll come up in conversation, I'm sure. (laughs) But yeah, it's a... It's a weird time right now. Yeah, for the, all those types totally. of things. Well, all exactly. these things that I'm like, my identity is like, well, how do I? <laughs> but that's how I was in the pre-apocalyptic world. Now I'm just, uh, yeah, working on my business from home and, um, and we're helping the clients that we can help um, through this so whole process. Tell me a little bit about what was the lead up to five years ago and starting the business? What's it? What was yeah. In your guts, what's in your in your blood? Yeah, so I started as a uh, as a storyboard artist. I went to school for animation. Mm-hmm. I was very passionate about animation. Grew up loving the way that you could tell stories in a different way than um, you could with live action. And I loved um, things like The Simpsons and all that kind of thing growing up. So I wanted to pursue animation. I always have been more of a creative, uh, I, I love working with creatives, um, but I'm not necessarily the best draftsman, for example. I'm much more focused on like storytelling and communicating through art. Um, and so so I it was a great fit for a storyboard artist, which is where you are, I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's So in live action, you're filming things and you Mm -hmm. basically film a lot of content and then you cut it down and edit it that way. Whereas with animation, you're creating the content. So it's much better to have a plan in place um, that's very thorough and approved before you start building stuff because it takes about, it's like 12 drawings a second um, when it comes down to the actual animation. So you don't want to waste time and energy on creating a scene, right? So right. Um, storyboarding really is rough sketches. I'm sure you may have seen it in old um, Disney behind the scenes footage mm-hmm. where there's a guy kind of po- looking at cue cards that have little drawing sketches on them and he's acting out a scene. So storyboard artists are essentially taking a script and then we are the director, the 
or the cinematographer, sorry, the actors in a lot of ways. Sometimes we'll have scratch sound to work with, but we basically will be putting together a scene and making kind of the broad choices or the acting choices. So if you were to say, you know, a character came in the room and was like, hello, you could you could have them enter in dramatically. You could have them say hello, or they could be like, hello, or, you know, so you're you're really putting in that piece. Anyway, so after I did after I did storyboard, storyboarding for a few years, um, I then realized the industry just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of growth opportunity in the industry at the time. Why was that? What was the, what was the conditions? It's going through a bit of a transition right now. There's no union or anything like that, like for actors or in the traditional film industry. And I think there's a lot of competition with overseas labor and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of grants and everything like that used for um, the industry here, but, and the government's really supporting it, but um, when it comes to, and I think when it comes to, there's not as many rules in place. So there's a lot of things like overtime unpaid till like 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. and not getting any overtime pay and things like that, that were really just not great business practices, but it was something that I guess they could get away with. So they wanted to do it. But yeah, it was, it just felt like when I spoke to the people that were in positions that I would want to work towards, what they were being paid and the hours they were being asked to to come in just didn't make sense to me. It didn't really add up. And um, I always wanted to start a business. So I had a business uh, for a while growing up called Garden Girls, where me and my friends would just garden for um, local uh, community yeah, people in our community. And I also was a figure skating coach. So I really had that kind of, I loved being in charge of my own schedule and um, leading a team. And like I said, I think my strong suit really is about rounding up creatives and understanding creatives and understanding and recognizing the difference between something that's 80% good and 100% good. And that, that appreciation and understanding of the creative process helps me to manage people that are essentially just better at (laughs) design than I am. So my business partner, Alejandro, he is uh, really the, everything you see from Pivot and Pilot is him. Uh, He was also, he was working at a design agency, a small startup at the time when I was working on storyboarding. And we decided to um, come together and uh, start a business because he wasn't able to get full-time employment at that company. And he really needed that for his citizenship and applying to stay in Canada. And then I was feeling quite lost in my situation as well. So we came together and we were friends since all through university. And uh, we even lived together briefly at one point. And so it was a, it just made sense. It kind of flowed together and we started uh, in my house and we earned my apartment and slowly built up our client base through friends. And we kind of like spent the first year funding our portfolio really. And just like trying to, make as much money as we could, but really just start to get grant base of work and then uh, slowly built up our reputation through connecting with people and um, mm-hmm. building it up that way. Tell me a little bit about that investing the year and building your portfolio, because if I could just say, you know, as you're starting up in a creative space, you know, the portfolio is so important because it's yes. really the only thing that differentiates you from the next creative agency. And yet you don't have clients yet to build a portfolio. What did you do in that first year to, to build up a portfolio and how, like, and why did it take that long? Tell me about that process a little bit. Well, I really understood right away 
that my network at school was going to be more important than anything I learned. So Alejandro and myself were very, like we're just social people in general, um, but we really focused on leveraging that network in the first year. And we just talked to all of our friends in our program and said, hey, this is what we're doing. Do you have any family or friends that need any kind of design work? And then we just got a bunch of people that needed it that way. And we, um, cont- and then that's essentially how we built our business too, by the way, is just through continuing to build our network and um, talk to people and tell people what we're doing, which can be hard sometimes for people to do, but it is, but, but truly I think, and I still believe that the value of this education we got was really the people we met and the people that we worked with. I mean, especially when it comes to Alejandro and myself, like we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't meet in university. So those are, that, that was really important to us. So we leveraged that group first and then we didn't work for free or anything like that, but we did have very competitive pricing. I think we were charging like $30 an hour or something like that at the beginning. And, um, we didn't undervalue ourselves, but we were also just being super competitive in the marketplace. Uh, we didn't have an office or anything like that. So we weren't, um, we were pretty flexible with our finances as well. There's not a lot of startup costs when it's service-based. Um, so we built it up that way. And as we did those projects, of course, if we were only getting paid a certain amount now, we would have to adapt the scope of the project to fit that, that pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hourly rate. But at the beginning, we just simply were like, we're getting some money and we're just going to blow it out of the water every time. And we're going to, you know, make it big and make it a really great piece so that we have something that we can then go to the next and get. So we built it up that way. Not that it was free, but it was definitely a lot of like Mm -hmm. unpaid hours of over and we're and we were also learning at the beginning, right? So it's fair. It's fair for us to be spending a little bit more time on things now we're just so much more efficient because we've been doing it for so long. And I think our, our pricing has grown with us, right? As we've mm-hmm, built mm-hmm. our business. So awesome. Thanks. And let's talk about you, the sectors you're working in food, beauty, wellness. Uh, what trends are you seeing at the moment in each one of those? <laughs> well, I mean, with, with food, for example, that's a great one because right now, it, well, it's a great one to talk about. It's not like, I think all, all business right now is quite stalled. People are very worried about their, finances right now and or they're really doing well so they're very busy um so food is a perfect example of that dichotomy happening so there's the food packaging companies so we specialize quite a bit in packaging design we not only help them stand out and look great on shelves and pop on that shelf but also um helping them through the claims review claims are different in the u.s versus canada so we really have to uh when we do a lot of work where we're bringing one product from one country to the other for example there's things like translation or just policies that uh, like canada we can't um have an image of a heart on a product that doesn't have heart benefits like omega-3 or things like that so very there's all sorts of different rules and regulations and then we also help them through certifications like keto friendly or allergy free if you want to be in uh we also help them through mm-hmm. their branding and positioning so with the certifications we're also consulting them on things like if they are going to be a branded and positioned as like a lunch snack then something like getting certification that's it's peanuts free or peanut free is extremely right. important and integral to their success so we 
uh, that's one piece. And then we also help connect them with the correct packaging manufacturers. Different products require different um, packaging for shelf stability, but also so that it's HACCP certified or anything like that um, if you are pursuing big contracts like Costco. Um, but if you're going a boutique route, it's a little bit less important. You can kind of get a glass jar and it works out okay. Um, but all of those things we're considering when we're thinking of our clients. And we also really, I mean, sustainability is a big trend right now. Um, so some trends we're seeing in there is sustainability is big. There are some really cool technology in terms of scanning packaging, just scanning the actual um, packaging to, to understand how to categorize it in terms of recycling. So more AI and advanced um, procedures are being put in place for not only recycling, but also we're seeing AI used in a lot of other ways in agrotech, actually. Um, so that's another thing is um, through what we're seeing now with COVID, we're seeing both, we're, we're seeing some of our clients. So for restaurants and things like that, it's very hard on them. Um, we've been doing a lot of like free updates to their websites to make sure that they can do takeout, things like that to support them in this time. And then on the other side is the packaged services where they're just like, flying off shelves. They're seeing unprecedented boosts in sales at grocery stores. But we haven't really had much of an opportunity to get in touch with them because they're just so busy trying to keep up with demand. And then, but I'm sure we'll start to see some really cool new products and innovation with that kind of cash that they've got on hand. And then overall in agro in agrotech, there's so much exciting things happening with vertical farming. I think COVID is also bringing up a lot of conversation around or thoughts around sustainability of the current globalization that we're living in, in terms of like the way that the, the economy is structured. We're all very reliant on shipping food from one place to another. We're, we're, we're really seeing there's, there's technology and innovation coming up in place that would help to serve us better, such as vertical farming, making sure that that, that would not only help in terms of sustainability, but also just to meet demand and, and keep mm -hmm. things a bit more local. So those are some big things that we're seeing there, but it's very, and there's a lot, a lot going on. I mean, it's a crazy time, so it is a, <laughs> I'm not it sure is a I can't. Time. It might, it's all those trends might change next week, right? So exactly. One thing I can add, I've got a connection for you because one of the um, fellows in my, in the co-working space that I work out oh, of is, um, he has technology, they're little tiny microchips and, you know, you stick them on any kind of food or packaging product and it's a whole consumer engagement process from farm to table. So if it was fish, for instance, you would know yeah. where, where they were farmed, which farmer caught it, right? Or which fisherman caught it, which boat. You can watch the, the, the distribution through blockchain being added into the blockchain through which store it was sold out of to where. Wow. And so, you know, the idea of mad cow disease that, you know, um, eradicated the, the beef industry here in Canada a couple of times is that would be eliminated because they would be able to go, oh, there's the source, there's the individual cows. So, yeah, there's a uh, lot of time and traceability yeah. um, for things like that, for recalls and all of that. It's mm -hmm. very, so that's really cool. Yeah, I'd love to get. Yeah, I'll, do, I'll make that connection for you. Tell me about wellness. How are things going in the wellness side of things? So wellness is hard. Um, chiropractic and things like that are suffering. We do. Well, we have a few medical aesthetics clinics, and they're also on pause. Wellness is is a tough one. We have a pain management center that's supposed to be opening this year, but they're delayed significantly because mm. of renovations. They're, it's tough to do renovations right now. 
yeah, there's um, recovery clinics. We haven't touched base with them, but they are probably seeing surge mm -hmm. of addictive personalities coming out of again. Yeah, and in and in term, but in terms of products like greens or supplements and things like that, that's thriving. It's interesting. I was a part of a podcast, COVID podcast. What's going to happen is, and one of my buddies is a futurist, and he was talking about food and mm. potentially the idea that slow food, some food production and consumption will become slow, right? The, the farm, the raw product, et cetera, the meal sharing, the, you know, it will become almost more of a luxury or, or more intentional. And then everything else that is really just lunch snacks on the fly, mm -hmm. the stuff where you're like, I just need to be full and have nutrients in my body right now will yeah. probably become pill form. The supplement idea will become a whole entire meal. I mean, I'm not working in either one of those spaces, but how that comes down to packaging, I think, you know, and, and branding will be really important. Yeah, it's true. There's so much going on. Food is, there's so much going on in the food space right now. It's just, there, it feels like there are a lot of people that are thriving in this environment and then, or there's not a lot. There's this few, small portion of people that are really, really thriving. And then a lot of us that are not. And then I feel very weird. I'm in like a very medium position where we're just kind of like, well, we're, we're scaled back a bit because like half of our clients are in a position where it's not, it's not the time for them to be investing. And then there's the other half that are fine, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's shift. And I kind of say, you know, energy is the, it's the only real currency because it does, it's indestructible, right? So well, that's a great sure, point. Things are right. Things are in, in maybe shutdown mode or different systems and flow but we're still doing things we're just yeah. doing things differently and i'm uh unfortunately one of the people that are going more in the curiosity about how where we're going to land and the better side of where we're going to land it not knowing how it's going to look is totally. um it's tough right that's that how do you as as entrepreneurs or as business people who are that's our life is dedicated to planning you know one year and then risk management Opportunities are popping up all over the place. Conversations are happening a lot. I mean, if you could wager a guess, Rebecca, where are you going to be in five years? Well, in five years, um, yeah, well, that's a, it's a harder question now, I guess. Um, but I think in five years, I just hope that we're continuing to, we, we're launching our YouTube channel soon. We, we're going to launch it sooner, but we just weren't sure about the timing. We're going to figure that out. I would love to have an established YouTube channel and um, more of a presence in terms of like speaking events and that kind of thing. But in terms of our business, I hope that we're just continuing with what we're doing now. We're going to see more and more of our products on shelves. It's so exciting to see a packaging design when it's completed. I hope that, you know, we're a leader in the e-commerce space as well, um, helping. And I hope that we get... Um, we, yeah. And I mean, it's so many changes are happening so rapidly, but yeah, I'm more and more interested in the agritech space and the, and yeah, seeing our items on shelves and maybe some awards and things like that down the line could be fun. I, I like how things are. I don't plan to grow much, much bigger in terms of our team. I love being boutique. I love having our niche and maybe we'll become more and more niche into one of the, into right. one of the verticals. That's probably what what, what I what would will happen. So it, on your YouTube, what, what is the messaging? What's like, it, would it be you on being one of the key speakers on the YouTube channel? 
So we have two things. We have our um, Pivot and Pilot conversations where we're talking to other people. Our YouTube channel focuses on how design influences customer consumer behavior. And so that's our main our main topic. Okay. Alejandro and myself will be doing we'll have the conversations where we're talking we, we've been doing live events actually where we do panel talks. And now we would probably move more to like individual interviews, um, considering the climate now. <laughs> but we did our last event literally the day before everything shut down. So that was crazy. But we did our yeah, we did our conversation panel about uh, featuring sustainable entrepreneurs. And they all created their own products that were sustainably focused. And uh, so the first part is the conversations. And then we also have our and then some series. So we talk about just other other fun facts. But we're, those are shorter videos where Alejandro and myself are just going to be touching base on certain topics. So we have one coming out about earning attention versus demanding attention. And one about uh, the difference between U.S. and Canadian policies in terms of packaging. Combination of thinking and applied solutions in there, right? Yeah, like interviews with experts that are that we admire, and then uh, that's more of a focus on them. And then we have our focus on us, which is our smaller videos about um, certain nice that we're noticing. Now, Rebecca, you're in Vancouver. Yeah. What do you love about it? Well, right now, I am loving that we live in a city where we have a beautiful seawall. Yeah, I just love that it's outdoorsy here and that they haven't shut down all of those things. So we can still go for hikes and we can still go to the beach if we're being respectful of space, obviously. I love how it's a small city, but it's growing and booming so quickly. So that was a reason why I I am originally from Ontario and I was thinking about, I did have to make that choice of do I stay here um, or do I go home? And there is so much and we do a lot of business in Ontario too, for that reason, but there's so much going on there, but it's very established and there's a lot. Um, whereas Vancouver is growing a lot right now. So it was awesome to, it was a nice opportunity. I thought to mm. get into a position where we're more well-known in Vancouver and then grow the business that way. But funnily enough, our business is quite like, we get a lot of, we even have business in New Zealand and things like that. So it's very, it's, it's not um, necessarily, all done in person or in Vancouver. At the beginning, that was the thought I had for sure. I just was really admired that. But Vancouver's cool. And and there's a good, for like the comedy stuff, there's a good comedy scene, a lot of support that way too. So yeah, I mean, it's a good city. So in that design thinking, uh, if somebody wanted to get a little bit of insight onto how design affects consumer behavior, Mm -hmm. do you have any recommended readings or videos that people could tap into? I really love the podcast 99% Invisible. I think that one is great. And it's really more about design in general, but it really is about how design influences people. I mean, it's more so I I tend to just follow more businesses who are like specific to maybe packaging or their thought leaders in terms of like social media and marketing. I follow a blog from like Junction. They're called Junction Consulting and they do, they have great blogs. Back to kind of what you said earlier about like that loss of control kind of thing and all of that. Like, I, I feel like I'm an interesting entrepreneur in the sense that I don't really, I don't really have that. I'm not really a, 
I'm very like go with the flow and adaptive. We're very, we're called pivot and pilot because we're very adaptive. That type of thing doesn't cause me too much stress. Um, And I feel like when it comes to the stuff that I'm consuming as well, it's really like a lot of what I consume is just inspiring things or fiction or just things that kind of help me think beyond, I, I don't know what the industry is, is right now. So I, so I like to think of definitely people that are in related fields rather than just like always consuming content that is totally about marketing. I kind of find that my brain gets like fried from that. Um, and I, and I find that we don't come up with like solutions that are as creative that way. Maybe like if we're just following or hopping on the latest trend, although we do have to be aware of those things, but it's definitely yeah, I think we're more interested in just learning about the industry from other business owners or from just keeping tabs on the industry. I don't know if I answered that very well, but I could think about that more. I wonder, I have to think about a list of things that I listen to <laughs> read because I, it just like pops up in your inbox and then you go like some days you have time for it, some days you don't. You right. On it or not. But I'm very active in like terms of the, like I find that probably the most stuff that I do is like talking to people and going to events and, and webinars and things like that. Right now that's something that I'm struggling with. So I have been turning more to like listening to podcasts and reading some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But Absolutely. yeah, I have to think about that one a bit. <laughs> no problem. So how can people connect with you post podcast? I think the best way is LinkedIn or Instagram right now. Okay. And through email, I guess, or my website. Our website is uh, pivotandpilot.com. And I love the name Pivot and Pilot, by the way. It's Thank that you. whole, it just kind of, it just, it feels like what every sort of small business owner, entrepreneur feels like, right? We're constantly pivoting and, but let's try and pilot our own plane, control the things that we can and don't worry too much about the things that we can't. It's really kind of the mantra of existence right now globally and that's you know, it's kind of, everybody's <laughs> been saying the word pivot and I'm just like yep I'm, oh god and so but, I was like I've got to talk to Rebecca she just like the brand name just embodies how I think yeah. everybody's feeling right now so and, and I and it does and it does speak to our approach I mean like the planning for the future thing I I'm just I'm not that great at it I mean I have certain goals in terms of uh, yeah, like I want to see our products on shelves and I have like kind of visions in that way. I think it's really important to just stay adaptive and you never know what's going to happen. And this is a, this, this time kind of really proves Proved that it. Um, yeah. I think before people thought maybe like, Oh, well, that's kind of a weird philosophy, but it's really like, it's true. I mean, you never know what's going to happen and things, at least for our business, like we've, we've really thrived by going with the flow and taking the opportunities that excite us and leaving the ones that right. are exciting, even if it seemed to be part of the plan or, or something like that. It's not that we don't have goals and plans like we do. We set those goals each year and everything. But I think in general, I think it's better instead of goals to just focus on values maybe. Um, so a value-based approach can be better for your for at least my mental health just to be more like yeah. my I want to make sure that in my business I always have room for my you know side things that I want to do I, I want to make sure in my business that I'm always happy to talk to our clients like we're taking on that we're being picky about our clients and taking on the clients that 
we vibe with and feel um, excited for and have a product that's innovative and exciting. Yeah, one of the things too that we focus on is that our, our clients, they, everyone needs to understand that design can't do the heavy lifting for you. Like it's not a decorative practice what we're doing. It's really more about focusing on communicating who you are, who you're for and why you're different in the most efficient and effective way. And that is what design is and that's what our job is. And it's not, you know, a, a crappy product is not going to sell itself and no amount of design is going to help. Not only does your brand have to shine through in, in terms of like standing out and looking great, but it also has to be consistent in terms of if you're promoting like a, if one of your brand values, for example, is sustainability or diversity, for example, and you're high, you know, you're, you're posting all these posts and mark beautiful marketing with these diverse models and their model, they're eating your product and they're, you know, they're, you're showcasing it that way, but then your staff isn't diverse and you aren't really sustainable yes. in business practices. Yes. You're going to get canceled, right? Yes. So it's very like, that's what branding is. It's really finding and nailing down what your core values are and who you are so that you can mm -hmm. be consistent with speak it role. yeah you can effectively speak it, right it. yeah all of those things it, and then that's all of those things working together to create that brand right we can communicate anything but if you're not living it then it's not you're going to get called out on it and it's not going to work so right we're just finding what's existing in the brand and we're finding the best angles and the opportunities within the brand and we're just bringing light to that and communicating that efficiently right rather okay. than making it glittery or making it or, or hopping on a trend. So embellishment. Exactly. Yeah. Rebecca, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Best of health to you and your family and crew. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's podcast network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.